0: Hey, welcome to East Brainerd, everybody. Okay, well, I'm glad you're here, all right? Um, I don't know if you're glad to be here or not, but I am glad to have you here. If you've been traveling to come to visit family and friends, we're thankful that you are present. hope you have a great weekend. hope you have a great day today. I know we have many of our own church family here who are traveling, others who are welcoming in family today, and so uh, whatever your plans these next few days and weeks, just be, uh, be careful with all your travels. Have a great time, and again, we're just thankful that you are able to be here with us today. I do not have a picture of this, uh, but I want to make sure that you guys know that uh, we do have another member of our church family that was not mentioned earlier. His name is Theodore Hall-Jones. It's Miss Brianna and Mr. Spencer's new addition to their family. He was born yesterday afternoon, 8 pounds, 7 ounces, 21 and a half inches long. So not only are we adding to our children's ministry, we're getting ready for our future basketball team. We're excited about that. That's going to be really great. And so keep uh, the Jones family in your prayers, and hopefully they'll be able to uh, be with us again Again, shortly. So we're excited for Brianna, for Spencer, and for baby Theo to be here. Yeah, that's great. That is really cool. We're excited. We're really excited about that. Uh, Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but in almost every holiday movie, there is an antagonist of some sort that is present in the movie, especially in Hallmark Christmas movies, right? When you watch a Hallmark movie, there's always this antagonist, somebody who is trying to wreck Christmas. And he, he, this person is either trying to destroy the family Christmas tree farm or we shut down the bakery or come in somehow and just demolish the toy shop that has been in the family line in history for so many years. And, and so we just, it's just something we get used to that there's always this antagonist in the holiday movies. Now, I saw a meme recently that talked about why there are no Hallmark movies set in the South. I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, By the way, this was great. You can't set a Hallmark movie in the South. Unexpected snow is not magical. It's terrifying and always leads to a fight at the Piggly Wiggly, right? But let's be honest. Isn't that a movie you would love to see, right? Oh, the snow is starting to come down and there's chaos in the pig. The manager is trying to quickly shut the doors so that he can go home and, and be with his family. There is love on aisle three as Joe lets Peggy have the last loaf of sunbeam. And then gives her and her two screaming kids a ride home in his four by four. Just before all the roads were shut down because of ice. It's Christmas at the Piggly Wiggly. I mean, we would love, we would love to see that. That would really be awesome. And for some of you, you have already lived that movie, right? I mean, that is your family Christmas for many of you. But there's always an antagonist that comes along in these different movies. If you guys are one, oh, It's a Wonderful Life fans, you know there's an antagonist, right? It's Mr., anybody remember? Mr. Potter. So you've got Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life. In the movie, or the story, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, it's the, yeah, right, now now some of you might not remember this one but in Home Alone there's these two bumbling burglars, right? Who are they? The Wet Bandits, that's right. They are the Wet Bandits, but does anybody remember their name? It is Harry and Marv, that's right. Harry and Harry and Marv. Uh, it's not Christmas unless you have Cousin Eddie showing up unexpectedly, right? Or the bumpus hounds, you know, taking over the, the Christmas dinner. I, I, I love those movies so much. I actually put two photos in. Let's go to the next one. Go, go to the next picture. There it is. I, I love the sweater, you know, and, and the turtleneck combination. Man, that, those are those are awesome. Uh, but it's just not Christmas unless, uh, unless you have that antagonist, right? Even in the blockbuster retelling of The Coming of Jesus, there is an antagonist that... Um, that tries to wreck Christmas, and normally this person does not show up in any kind of nativity scene because his motives are just too R-rated uh, for a children's play, and his actions are just not something that work out very well here in in a church setting. But Herod the Great is very much a part of the telling of the coming of Jesus. And to ignore him and, and to ignore the role that he had in the greater story it ignores the reality of the world that Jesus was born into. And it also ignores the reality of our own world and the darkness that's present there. When I, when I think about this idea of darkness for a minute, I guess it's probably best defined as the absence of light. Darkness is not so much about what, what you see, it's what you don't see. When there is no light and you have darkness. And when it's, really, when it's really dark, I mean, when you can't even see your hand in front of your face, darkness can become something that, that you actually feel. You know it's spoken about in t- about 200 times in the Bible? The idea of darkness? Some 200 times in the Bible you can find references to it. And often it's used as a metaphor to describe what life is like if you don't have God. If you don't have God, then you are are living in darkness. When you refuse to follow his direction, when you choose your own foolishness over his wisdom, you find yourself in a dark place. And that's where Herod found himself when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You see, while there was a star that was shining brightly over the king of kings, darkness had engulfed the king of Judea. And that's who Herod was. He was a non-Jew who had been appointed king of Judea by the Roman Senate approximately 40 years before the birth of Jesus. And he was a ruthless ruler. He killed the last surviving members of the previous ruling family. He also killed some of the members of the Jewish ruling court, the Sanhedrin. And and, and then he goes even further. He murders anyone he suspects of treachery, including, now get this, his wife, his three sons, his mother-in-law... Well, we we under, no, never mind. Um, His brother-in-law and his uncle, right? I mean, he just starts going through. It was not safe to be a part of this man's family. He was ruthless, and needless to say, he was paranoid. And so I want you to imagine how bothered he must have been when all of a sudden word comes that there is this noisy caravan of travelers from the east who has now come to town, and in their naivete, they're asking to see the new king of the Jews. Matthew's gospel tells us that Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. He's deeply disturbed. He's agitated. He can't sleep. And all kinds of paranoid scenarios begin to flood his thoughts. And because he is someone who has established a culture of fear, Matthew goes on to say that everyone in Jerusalem was upset as well. Everyone is on edge. And for good reason. They know the type of man that he is, and so they're asking, well, who is this new king? What is the king going to do to this child? And everybody's asking where he's at. Where is this new king of the Jews? Well, the answer to that last question was contained in the writings of the Hebrew Scriptures, specifically in the words of the prophet Micah. But remember, Herod, well, he's not... He's not your typical Jew. He he is a non-Jew, and he doesn't understand the Jewish scriptures. And so, well, he calls the meeting of the leading priest and teachers of the religious law, and he asks them where the Messiah is supposed to be born. And they explain to him what the prophet had said, and tell him that it's going to be in Bethlehem, here in Judea. And so then, Herod calls for a private meeting of, of those wise men from the east and wants to know when is it that you saw this star and how long have you been traveling how long did it take you to get here where do you think that it is that you're going and and he tells them all right look i want you guys to go to bethlehem and i want you to search carefully for the child and when you find him i want you to come back and i want you to tell me so that i can go worship him too now Herod had no intent of going and worshiping this child. But he had every intention of destroying any potential threat to the throne. You see, he was the one who was seated there. He was the one that was in charge. He was the one that was in control. And so he sends men, the men from the east out as unwitting spies. But his scheme falls apart when the wise men ghosted him and they returned home by some other route. And Matthew says that Herod was furious. And I don't even know if furious is the best word to use to describe how Herod felt when he found out that he had been disobeyed because Matthew here, he uses a word that is only found in his gospel in all of scripture. I mean, he's saying this guy was really upset. He, he uses this word, the moo, and it means to be just enraged. It means to boil over from within. He says this is how Herod was and then in his rage we should not be surprised to find then that he sends soldiers. He sends soldiers to Bethlehem to kill all the boys who were two years old and under. You see he was going to make sure that no living infant son in Bethlehem could one day grow up and take his throne. going to make sure it didn't happen. And so because of that, he brought sorrow, the sorrow of his sword, to the homes of of the families there in Bethlehem. And we don't know how many children lost their life. But Matthew tells us that because of Herod's brutal action, it fulfilled the words of the prophet Jeremiah. When he wrote centuries before, a cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. And he quotes from Jeremiah 31, and he echoes this weeping that was endured by a previous generation of Hebrew mothers and fathers. And it was a time where they were weeping because they had lost their land and their children were being carried away to this foreign country. And the reason why Matthew references this is very important because... Jeremiah chapter 31, and specifically there in verse 15, it occurs in a setting of hope. You see, despite the tears that these families were crying, despite their heartbreak because of what was going on and taking place around them then, there the prophet Jeremiah, in this setting of hope, describes a time where, guess what, there's going to be a return. The exiles are going to be brought back. God is not going to abandon his people. Hope has not been lost. And so Matthew, when he refers to this, and says, look, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. What is taking place or what took place there in Bethlehem? He's saying that despite the tears of the Bethlehem mothers, he's saying there is hope because the Messiah, the Messiah will escape Herod, and he will ultimately reign. Now, I understand, look, this does not in any way make the suffering and the violence and the bloodshed any less evil or any easier to endure. Guys, this is a dark event in history. And I'm thankful that Matthew doesn't gloss over it. I'm thankful that, that, that God wanted us to see the darkness that was present during the time when, when Jesus would come into this world. It, it, it wasn't all just, you know, jingle bells and white Christmas. He says, this is what it's like. This is what darkness looks like. So Matthew doesn't give us a fake Christmas. He doesn't wrap everything in bows of sentimentality. He's just being very real. And he's giving us, though, I think, something to help us be able to endure the darkness that we still see that is present here in in our world. And it's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. It's this idea of hope. It's this idea of, of, of a confidence that is certain. That there is a hope that reigns in this world. That even though, yes, there is darkness that is present, there is still a light that shines and pierces that darkness. It might be dark, but hope reigns. That is the message that just keeps crying out from Scripture. But a lot of our life is just lived in darkness. And to an extent, we just become used to it. And our hearts have kind of learned to adjust. How many of you guys, you get Amber Alerts on your phone, and as soon as it starts to screech and screech, you reach for it as quickly as you can, and you silence it, and you never look at what has happened? we have just grown used to it, right? A coworker is arrested for domestic violence. Uh, we read about a teenager or a celebrity that commits suicide. A fatal car accident has things backed up on the freeway, but... We're frustrated because we've got to get to our next appointment. There's darkness that's all around us, but we don't always see it and notice it because, and it's hard for me to admit this, but I think it's true. We're part of the darkness. Have you ever said in your mind, have you ever gone, Did I really just say that to my spouse? Did I really just talk that way to my parents? can't believe I just lost my temper with my kids. Did I really just let my eyes watch that? Did I let my mind think that? Did I really just cheat on that test? Did, did last night really happen? Have you, ever, have you ever thought to yourself, where did that come from? Where did that thought, where did those words, where are those actions? Have you ever just gotten caught off guard by the darkness that is present within you? Because it's in each of us. And if we're honest, we have to admit that some have just lost ourselves in the darkness. You thought you could control it. You thought you could, at least in some areas of your life. But just like a dimmer switch that's there on the wall in your living room, things just kept getting darker and darker. And you've discovered that the darkness will take you further than you ever intended to go. It takes you from a few drinks with some friends to not being able to go a day without getting drunk. It takes you from a few chats on social media to, to secretly spending time with someone who is not your spouse. It takes you from stealing a few few dollars here and there from petty cash to embezzling thousands. It takes you from a little indulgence to crippling credit card debt. Hey, you're like, boy, I'm glad you didn't talk about my darkness, Chris. I'm glad you just talked about those other people. I'm glad you just talked about those, those really dark things. I'm, I'm glad you're not talking about mine. Be careful. Because as a the song that um, Casting Crowns put out years ago says, it's a slow fade. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. Thoughts invade and choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. Because people never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. And that's the way the darkness takes over. But God's answer to that darkness is the reason why we celebrate. It's it's, it's the reason why last week we had a beautiful telling of the nativity story with all these kids up here. Man, they did an awesome job. And it was great to see the moms and dads and the me-mas and the Papas that were here and, and all the different family and just strangers that came because they heard that we were going to be focusing on and telling the greatest story that was ever told. Because every one of us, we realize we need a message of hope. And we need to be able to see the light. We need to remember and we need to teach that into this dark world, filled with all of the Herods, God brought a light of hope. And I love the way that the coming of God into our dark world was described in John's gospel, where here it talks about the coming miracle of God, and it says the true light that gives light to every man is coming into the world. And that's why we celebrate now and, and any time that we remember that into this dark world a light is broken through, and his name is Jesus Christ. And it's so important and some of you really need to hear it this Christmas season because maybe you're just engulfed in a darkness of despair. And maybe it's just present there in your life because this year has just not gone the way that you hoped. Things haven't turned out the way that you really wanted them to. It's not how you wanted things to be. And my prayer for you today is that you would just allow the light of God's hope to come into your life. That you would consider some of the things that we've talked about over these last few weeks. And I wonder if it could be true. I wonder if it could be real. I, I wonder if it's something that I could really experience here in my life. Maybe you're experiencing the darkness of suffering. Maybe it's because of a physical suffering that you're going through. Or because of a suffering that someone you love is having to deal with. And I would just pray that you would let the light of God's joy come into your heart. I mean, if you're dealing with the darkness of anxiety and it just clouds over you and you're always worried and you're always nervous, then would you just allow the peace of God to break into the darkness and be with you this Christmas season? I don't know, maybe you find yourself in the dark because of your own mistakes and failures. Those things that have happened over this past year and and you just made some decisions you just really love to take back. And you would love it if your parents didn't know. You'd love it if your friends didn't know. You'd love it if it hadn't been put out on social media. You'd love it if you could just keep it all to yourself. But, you know, you think, why did I do that? And why did I get involved in that relationship? And how did I get caught up in where I am right now? And I'm just telling you that no matter what the darkness is right now, I truly believe the light of Jesus can still break through. And that's why we celebrate Or maybe you just find yourself staggering through the darkness that is our society. There's just so much anger and there's so much hate. There's so much selfishness and greed and there's so much disregard for human life and just dignity. You know, it almost seems that no matter where you turn, there's just another reminder of, of humanity's corruption. And guys, that's why it's so important for us to be able to celebrate humanity's hope. And that's what we're doing. That's why we are here today, to be able to celebrate the reign of hope, the hope for humanity, because there is a light that has come into the darkness. I, look, I get it. It is still dark in this world. And there are still Herods that are all around us. And there is a darkness that is still within us. But in the midst of all this darkness... Let me remind you of one of the prophecies of Jesus that came from Isaiah chapter 9. Speaking about the Messiah who would come, it says, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. And get this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That's the way God defines, that's the way he describes the coming of the Savior. That's the way he describes what Jesus is coming to do and what he came to do. And, and so at Christmas when we survey our the brokenness that is in our world and the brokenness that was part of the world that, that Jesus entered into, I want us to avoid two misguided approaches. All right, I think we need to shy away from, from an overly optimistic, Pollyannish disposition that refuses to acknowledge the evil that is around us, but also the evil that is within us we need to acknowledge the fact that yeah there are bad things and there are some bad people and there are things that are going to come into our life that we don't expect that is all because that we live in an evil world and people make choices that go against the direction of God and we need to understand that and we need to acknowledge it and not be surprised then when those things happen and when we are witness to darkness but at the same time, we need to be able to keep ourselves from going down that rabbit hole of despair where the only thing that we see around us is violence and, and horror, and the only thing that we can focus on is the darkness. God never wanted us to have our eyes focused on what was not present, He wanted us to focus on what was present the light. You see, in Jesus, we see both the crying of Rachel for her children and the promise that those who are crying out tears, those tears are going to be wiped away in a new and lasting kingdom of God. In Jesus, we see a, a weeping heavenly father, but we also see a triumphant and reigning Christ. Those are all present in Jesus. And I think that's why I believe Matthew. I believe that's why Matthew included the actions of Herod in his description of Jesus' arrival. You see, every Christmas story includes an antagonist. Someone who's stumbling through the darkness trying to wreck Christmas. Because without the darkness, we don't have an understanding of light. And so it is in the midst of verses about shepherds and, and angels and wise men. There are a few words that remind us why the coming of Jesus was so important. The world needed a hope that only comes from seeing the light. And by the way, we each need that hope as well. Because guys, as much as I would like to think that all of us would be the wise men rushing to worship Jesus if we were present in this story or, or that we would be the shepherds declaring the good news or, or we would be perhaps that family who, who opened up their, their home so that this traveling couple and their future child could come in. I think there's more Herod in our hearts than we want to admit. You see, I think we just like Herod are threatened by Jesus. We're threatened by him. And I think Timothy Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas, really just drives this point home. He he writes, King Herod's reaction to Christ is a picture of us all. Because if you want to be king, well then someone else then comes along saying he's the king. Well then one of you has to give in. Because only one person can sit on an absolute throne. That's so true, isn't it? I mean, somebody's going to sit here. Somebody's going to claim the seat. And I hope that we haven't lost all control where that we've had to take lives, but we've had to take charge. And we've had to take control. And, and we've had to, to be the ones who have denied forgiveness. And we've denied love. And we've been the one who has, has put a barrier and built a wall around all of our possessions. Because we wanted to hold on to this. We wanted to be able to hold on to the power. And, and sure, let, let Jesus be born into the world, but don't let him do anything that would interrupt my life. Don't let him do anything that's going to change the way I'm living. Don't let him do anything that's going to change the way I think and and the way I just go about things day in and day out. Don't let him do anything that will take away my power. Keller goes on to say that this dark episode of King Harry's violent lust for power points to our natural resistance and even hatred of the claims of God in our lives. You see, we're the ones that resist the presence of Jesus. We're the ones that just go our own way and and do our own thing. We're, We're the ones who love to hear the nativity story and love to picture ourselves as one of those who celebrates the coming of the king and then leaves and goes out and lives like Herod. Saying, you have no place on the throne of my life. Guys in every Christmas story there is an antagonist and the truth be told it's us. We're the antagonists in the Tivity story because we're the ones that go stumbling through the dark and try to wreck Christmas. Now I'm not talking about the the Amazon Christmas, and, and I'm not talking about the Christmas that, that you watch and see on, on TV. We're, we're all Cindy Lou Who's when it comes to that. I mean, we're like, woo, Christmas, la, 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 and jingle bells, and we, we love all of that. And Deck the Halls, and that is us. Now, I'm talking about the Christmas that is Jesus being born into our life. And taking control. Uh, we try to wreck that Christmas. But I hope that what you've been able to discover over these last few weeks as we've been been sharing together about the hope that is Jesus Christ. I hope that what you've been able to discover is that it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way in your life. And it doesn't mean that you need the ghost of Christmas's past to come back and haunt you. That's not what it takes. There's not some magic little dust that's going to get sprinkled on you that's going to take care of things. That's not at all. You don't have to live anymore in the darkness. All you have to do is get off the throne. and bow before the King of Kings. Why don't you let this be the Christmas that Jesus reigns in your life? Oh, you know the story and you've celebrated it for years. But why don't you let this be the Christmas that Jesus finally is King in your life? Maybe you'd like to talk to somebody about that. We'll have one of our elders in our prayer room, in our lobby. You're welcome to come here to the front to have a conversation with me if you'd like to. Maybe you'd just like to come before this family say, you know what, I've been sitting on this throne in my life for so long. I don't know what it's like for God to have true control. And I'd love for this body just to pray for me that I, would have, that I would have the courage, that I would have the conviction to be able to finally get up And to let Jesus have true reign in my life. Maybe as we saw earlier as Sean was sharing the pictures. Maybe you'd like to be baptized into Christ. Because this is the day you say that the Lord will finally reign. We'll celebrate with you. Whatever your need might be. Guys the Christmas season. It is the most wonderful time of the year. And there's so many fun things that go along with it. But it's the most wonderful time truly. Because it's the time where we get to remind ourselves of who reigns. And it's hope. Let's stand and give God praise.